blessed in hard times by Christ for the glory of God. Today's sermon looks at how we are blessed, but not necessarily for our purposes, but for a greater purpose, which brings glory to God. I'm Fami Asabin, a preacher for the Church of Christ. Tough times are only tough for the person experiencing them. What God can do for a person during those times can help others come to faith, which brings glory to God. In today's sermon, taken from John 11, 1 through 16, we look at the purpose of Lazarus's death and the resurrection by Jesus, which was to bring glory to God. It shows how even in perceived difficult circumstances in the life of those whom Jesus loves, what God does for them, while it is a blessing to them, has a greater purpose. There's a notion in this world that if things go bad for you, you experience tough times, that that wouldn't be the case if God truly loved you. You see, people have this false understanding that God's love means that we will escape, evade every bad situation in our lives. But we know that that's not true. God's depth of love is demonstrated through the fact that those who are in Christ do not stand alone through the tough times that they go through. It's not that they're kept from it, they're shielded through it. So that we're not by ourselves when times get tough. Even when we experience some of the toughest situations in our lives, which we will probably say death will probably be the hardest thing we go through. We're not alone because we're going to face that with Christ. But to get to that understanding, we have to learn to see things as God sees them. We have to see things through the lens of faith as Jesus is trying to guide us to see them explained through the gospel narrative and given the Holy Spirit, which allows us to grow to that understanding. And John 11 is the story of the resurrection of Lazarus. And this event foreshadows Jesus's own resurrection. And it's John's last sign to try to teach those to show those who read his gospel that Jesus is the Christ and lead them to belief. But when this event happened, it had mixed results. A number believed because Lazarus was raised from the dead. And the Jewish leaders were actually hardened, strengthened in their resolve to kill Christ because he was showing that he had powers. And if he wasn't stopped, they would lose some of their influence that they had with the people and their standing with the Roman authorities. Now, all I want us to do today for this sermon is to look at the first, the introduction to this story. We're not going to look at the whole resurrection of Lazarus, and we're not going to get into uh, in depth of Jesus's conversation with Lazarus sisters. And uh, in result of that, I just want us to look at the first 16 verses that give us the introduction to the story and tell us its main points. John 11, 1 through 16. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. 
Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. You see, at the onset of this story, we get a little bit of information. Jesus loved Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. He loved that family. Lazarus was ill. But out of Jesus's love for that family, it did not necessitate that Jesus get up and go and act in that moment. It did not necessitate that Jesus heal Lazarus immediately. We know he had the ability to because he had dinner with the little boy. We know that he could have went back because he did go back. But he actually waited, and it tells us why he waited. There was two reasons specifically that Jesus said from his own mouth. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. That's verse number four. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. That's verse number 15. So in this whole account of Lazarus being told that he's sick to Jesus and Lazarus actually dying, there was two purposes which neither one of them were for the sake of Lazarus. It was for to bring glory to God and Jesus. It was for the disciples to believe in Jesus. You see, if you're looking at this from the outset, you're like, this is a story about Lazarus and his healing and how he was sick and how Jesus interceded in this for Lazarus. But it's not. This is a story to show the glorification of God and Jesus through the situation pertaining to Lazarus. This is a story about the disciples believing in the Christ whom they have walked us earth with, who they submitted their will to through Lazarus dying. You see, this is not about Lazarus. And you wouldn't understand that if you're looking at this from a worldly perspective. Because from a worldly perspective, you're like, we need to do something about Lazarus because he's sick. Lazarus has died. And we need to do something for Lazarus. And while Jesus understands that, what he's saying is, no, really how I see it is we need to do something to bring glory and honor to God. We need to do something to instill belief in those who walk with me, who will accept me as their Lord. 
But see, without faith, we wouldn't see that. If we're looking at it just from a human's point of view, we get concerned with the humanistic element, which is okay. Because we do want Lazarus to be whole. We don't want him to be sick. But that overlooks what God is actually doing with Lazarus. And the first thing that we have to understand that is just because we feel that the situation is dire doesn't mean that it is dire for God. Jesus is told Lazarus is sick. We pray for God to intercede in situations for us. Jesus doesn't act immediately. God doesn't always answer the prayers to the extent that we like or at the pace in which we would be satisfied with. But that does not mean that Jesus didn't love that family. That does not mean that God doesn't love us. It just means that God is working on his time with the aim to bring about the glorification of him and his son, Jesus Christ, and to lead everybody who experiences, who witnesses the situation to believe. You see, just because a situation is hard doesn't mean that God has to answer immediately. And when we understand that, then we start to see things as God sees it. We start to see that this dire situation is only an emergency for us and not for God. Because what God can do is whatever we're in, he can reverse. Lazarus is sick. No, Lazarus has died. But Jesus starts off at an interesting point because when he hears it, he says, this illness is not to death. Jesus, we weren't talking about death. But it's leading to death so that you guys can see that I really have control over life. And when we understand that, then we'll trust God through the death. We'll trust God through the hard parts of this life to know that he really is in control and that his love is not demonstrated in the fact that I don't experience bad, that I don't die but that you're with me through death. You see, we don't sit and count our blessings by how fast they come. We don't sit and trust God only when he works in the moment. We trust God because we know that he has the best intent for us. And we trust God because we know that he really is bringing us to life. You see, Jesus is not confined by our standards or our circumstances. You see, Lazarus' death is only something that Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, and everybody around him can't handle. They grief. Nobody else can stop it. He goes through the natural process from illness to death. But when Jesus gets involved, it's reversed. It's even so much so to the fact that Martha thinks that it's beyond God's control. If you would have been here, he would not have died. The crowd said, couldn't this one who gave sight to the blind had given life to Lazarus or prevented him from dying? Yes, he could. have. We've seen it all throughout the gospel. We've seen Jesus doesn't even need to be present for a miracle to take place. But what we do here at the beginning of this story 
is that this situation in Lazarus' life is for the glorification of God. You see, Jesus is not confined by the rules in which we're confined by. And when we understand that, then we won't worry as much as the world worries when they go through bad times. Because we know what God is really aiming at is bringing glory to him and his son through people. And Lazarus' situation, while it's not about him, utilizes Lazarus to bring attention to the belief that God's trying to instill and the glory that God is going to get for himself. And that teaches us something that teaches us that at some point, the person involved is not always a focus. Sometimes you can go through a situation. Sometimes you see somebody going through a situation and they're not the focus of that situation. God is using them to bring glory and honor to himself. God is using them to bring belief through what he does for them to others. Even if that means that you are Lazarus in the situation and you have to go through the bad, even if you have to go through death for God to bring glory to himself, you have to realize it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the God who is control of us, who loves us so much so that the bad situations, he finds a way to bring glory to himself and to his son, Jesus Christ. You see, when you see it from that perspective, it helps you to be like Lazarus. You see, Lazarus in this whole story, he doesn't say a mumbling word. People speak for him. His sisters send word to Jesus that he's sick. Jesus loved Lazarus. You would have think that Lazarus would have sent word for himself. After all, they had a relationship. But no, somebody else is praying, beseeching God to act on his behalf. Even when he gets out of the grave, somebody has to come and take the grave clothes off of him. You see, Lazarus is passive in this story. And a lot of times we must be passive as well to allow God to work and get out of the way and not allow ourselves to be the center of attention, but to be utilized by God so that he can get the attention that he is trying to bring to himself to bring people to belief in him. Now while Lazarus doesn't say nothing, but I think Lazarus does have is faith. And while he's not the one who sent somebody to pray for him, I think there was some conversations to where he asked his sisters to go get Jesus. It's natural. You got a relationship with Christ, you're going to pray to him. But in your prayers, you also must have faith and wait for him to act. And I think Lazarus is a good example of that. Because later we'll read that Lazarus, by allowing God to work in his life, he calls others to believe in Jesus. 
And if we get to that point to where even if it seems like the situation is beyond control and God gets the glory for what he's doing for us, we'll bring others to belief by showing, demonstrating faith. Because that's what God is trying to do. That's what John is trying to do through this whole gospel story is get people to believe in Christ. And in believing in Christ, they will receive that life that only Christ can get. Demonstrated in Lazarus. He was dead, yet Jesus rose him from the dead. And all he was saying was, I'm trying to get you to believe. Lazarus died, and it was good, because the disciples needed to see that Jesus was in control of life and death. He wanted them to believe. Imagine what we can learn from looking at what other people go through and how God works in their lives. How deep our faith would be if we learned to examine critically, spiritually, the workings of Jesus in the lives of those who have faith. You know what that would cut down on? Us knocking our heads against the wall. That would keep us from having to make crucial mistakes because we have to, quote unquote, experience everything for ourselves. You see, what God is actually trying to do is put us in relationships with him, with his son and with others. So that we can all be one, but also so that we can learn to have faith. Jesus. The acts he did was to bring belief. John writes about this. Jesus, what he did through Lazarus was to bring belief in who? The disciples. Not Lazarus. And then he tells Martha, if you believe, I believe he'll rise again at the resurrection. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. And he calls Lazarus out of the grave. If we see what others in faith are going through, good and bad, it would cause us to deepen our faith in God. It would cause us to understand what God is doing for the benefit of those who love Christ in everyone's life. And we will be greatly indebted to them for the example that they had because it'll lead us to a deeper understanding of what God is calling us to. And when this happens, when this happens, we will get to the point to where we can truly understand. I don't think Thomas got it at this point, but we can truly understand what it really means to die with Jesus because he told them at one point that he who seeks to find his life must lose his life for my sake. And he who seeks to keep his life loses it if they don't do it following God. Thomas, let us go with Jesus so that we may die too. Because he understands that Jesus was just try, was about to be stoned by these Jews who were in opposition to him. And as we're going to go to Judea that, hey... If it's that we're going to die with Christ, we're just going to die with Christ. But no, 
Jesus was saying, come with me so you could see that I have control over death so that when you get that fully understood and when you die with me, you'll realize that you really are not going to die. You're going to live eternally with me. And you don't have to worry about what man can do for you because you'll see what God will do with you and through you and for you because you have faith. You see, sometimes we we mistakenly think that we have to go to our danger, go and face danger for the cause of Christ, not realizing that God is in Christ is in control and the danger that we perceive will happen will never happen because it's not time for it to. The 12, they go down there with Jesus. They don't get stoned. No, they get taught a little bit more. They see that Jesus has power over life and death, and he raises Lazarus from the dead. Jesus even washes their feet shortly after this. But that example, that situation in Lazarus' life, what they witnessed and demonstrated through Christ, it didn't solidify until after Jesus died. Because shortly after this, Jesus would be taken and tried, and everybody would scatter from him. But they see that Jesus not only has control over others' lives, but he also has control over his as well. So he'll die too. And I think that they really get it after (coughs) Jesus dies. When Jesus gives them his spirit and he tells them to go out and to spread this story. All of them, all of them, it is said in history, were martyred. All the disciples except for John died from spreading the story of Jesus. Why? Because they understood that they were not the focus of the story. They understood that whatever that they went through was to bring glory and honor to God and his son, Jesus Christ. They understood that even if they died and what was perceived as a bad situation, some of them beheaded, some of them impaled, some of them crucified even in those conditions they received life that no man could take from them because of the relationship that they had with Jesus their belief carried them through their example lives on and it is testified through scripture and it's even more telling is that there is not a lot of scripture surrounding what happened to the apostles, what happened to the disciples. What scripture is really focused on is not what happened to them, but the message that they told because they believed in him. Think about it, the gospels about Jesus, the epistles, How to live because you now believe in Jesus. 
And it's not a lot about what happened to those who dedicated their lives to Christ. It's what happens with those who believe in the story and the reward that they will get. Because what the person who tells the story goes through really amounts to nothing in the big scheme of things. But what does matter? God gets the glory. Jesus is glorified. And now we understand that the love that God and Jesus has for us is not confined to the standards of this world. It's not defined by the circumstances that we go through. It's exhibited in the fact that Jesus is with us no matter what we go through. And because he's with us, we can live our lives in faith and hopefully exemplify the proper relationship that will cause others to believe in the Jesus who is with us as well. My prayer, my hope, is that we understand what it really means to be a part of God's story. Is that we realize that while we experience it, we're not the focus. We're just a character that's supposed to bring glory and honor to God. And that we can learn from each other's experience and we can see each other, what they go through, how God is using them, how God is blessing them. So that when we hit the rough patches, we will demonstrate the faith that's necessary to be eternally with Christ. We learn to look past ourselves and to look for what God is trying to do in our lives and others' lives, which is bring glory to him and lead others to belief. And ultimately, that we believe so to the point to where we embody this message and exemplify it in all of our actions. We're not going to be perfect, but we will be perfected when God takes us home. I'm not sure where that message leaves you, but I hope it encourages you, hope it reminds you of your calling, and I hope that it comforts you when the time gets tough to see things as God sees it and not to focus on life from your own perspectives. I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you. My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask, what's stopping you? God sent his son Jesus to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. To get that salvation, one must follow the example set out in scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansion, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2. You get Peter preaching the first gospel sermon and the response of those who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, go to your local Church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, and you will make heaven your home.